Thank you for coming Friday morning, getting out of bed. I'm going to talk about how I use virtual libraries in my room, and so I'll give you a little bit of like why I use them and how I use them. And then I just want to walk you through how to make one so you can make one on your own. So I don't plan on talking for an hour, um, and I'm hoping that you'll have time to maybe brainstorm or even get started or ask questions about how to um, make your own libraries. So, um, yeah, just so you kind of know what the plan is. But I don't plan on talking. I don't have an hour's worth of things to say, but I do want to show you how to do it. <laughs> um, so first of all, if you need convincing why I use virtual libraries, um, I think it's a great, by virtual library, I mean a place where kids are clicking on books digitally and listening to a story read to them. Occasionally, I switch that up and they're clicking on something that they then have to read on their own, depending on what we're doing or in first grade how far along in the school year we are and what they can do. But it's great for building vocabulary. I teach in Spanish immersion, which means it's extra great for them to hear a different person speak Spanish and pick up Spanish vocabulary. So if you're in immersion, it's kind of double great. Um, supports fluency because they're hearing a fluent reader read. Um, and it just helps grow their love of reading. This is one of my kids' favorite things to do when it's an option. They love to listen to books. So how do I use them? In my classroom, I put up QR codes in the room. I do not have a one-to-one -one classroom. I have about um, seven iPads in my classroom of 25 students. Come on. <laughs> She's the best guy. <laughs> Very forgiving. <laughs> um, in my classroom, I put up QR codes like this. So these are posted in a couple places on the wall. So this isn't. Um, this is a choice during my literacy block sometimes. So it's not an everyday thing for every kid. Um, or sometimes it's an early finisher. So they scan the code with their camera app, and when they click, they're taken to a page that looks something like this. So the, this is what I create. I choose the books. Sometimes This is a general library. Sometimes it's um, a, uh, well, the, for the last month, we've had a Hispanic Heritage Month library. So they're listening to all books about that. Um, I have one for different heritage months. I have one for Christmas. I have one for our rainforest study. Um, I'm working on one for our community helpers study. So it, sometimes they're themed. Sometimes they're um, just a general library. They click, and then over here, they're going to tap whatever book they want, and that's going to um, read the book to them in a, in a video. And that's the part that I will show you how to make. So before I show that, I do want to show you a few different ideas of ways to do them because they don't all need to look like that. And I've started to create kind of different things. So I'm going to actually just be in my um, web browser for a second. Um, this is the one that you saw there. When the kids see it, it's going to look just like a web page. I created it in Google Slides, but you can publish those to the web to look more like a web page. When they click, what they're actually be, what's actually happening is it's taking them to a different slide somewhere in my presentation where I have embedded the video because I don't want it to take them to the YouTube app. Um, that's the reason that I've embedded it in the slide. Once they watch it, it's all here. You can't even full screen anymore with an embedded YouTube video. So they're going to watch it there, which is why I stretch it as big as I can. And they just click on the back button, and it takes them back to the library. And then they click on another one and listen to it. So they're um, staying within my presentation the whole time without going to an outside app. Um, this one is what I use for our rainforest study. And this one does have a couple of differences. Some of these, this is a 
short wildcrats clip and some books. But I had a few um, like magazines that I wanted them to read themselves. So in this one, if you click on the Quetzal, you are taken out because there's not a better way I've found to do this to a PDF. And now they can read this magazine on their own. What that means is there's no back button. So when I introduce a library like this, I do talk to them about it first and I explain, hey guys, look up here at the top. When you click on this, it's gonna pop up this new tab over here. So when you're done reading, you're gonna have to click back on the yellow square to get back to our library. So you do have to teach that extra step if you're going to use outside thing, but that opens up the possibilities of what you can do and it opens up things that they're reading on their own. Um, the, last one, um, the last one I'll show you is one that I just started working on last night after a different CEA session when we had some good ideas. We have a unit on community helpers. So our idea has been to introduce students to people in our community, different jobs in our community, and even identify maybe how their parents are great community helpers. So we're going to put their pictures in here. And this time when they click on it, it's taking them to a slide. It's not a video. It's not somebody reading it. But it's... Um, what they're going to read. And eventually we actually are, want the kids to be creating the slides in here. And then they'll be able to click on stuff and read what their friends wrote about community helpers. So there's once you have the basic idea of how to use Google Slides to do this, I think there's just tons of possibilities and we keep coming up with new ideas and ways to use that. So I'll show you how to make one. Um, in order to make one of these, you're just going to open up a new Google Slides presentation. So I'm just going to do it within this presentation here, but you just open up to your first blank page. Um, depending on how familiar you are with Google Slides and adding things to them, I'm sure a lot of what I'm going to say you already know how to do, but I'll go through it just so everybody's hearing it. Um, when I start with a blank slide, the first thing I do is just make it look like a room, right? So you insert an image, and you can do it right here in Google Slides. Um, search Google. Um, I usually type in something like this, wall and flooring. And you can just pick from what they have. Um, you have to click on it, insert it into your slide, and then you just make it look like a room. So, pretty easy so far, right? Doable. Um, and then I just start to add the other stuff in there. Uh, I, you can continue to go here, search the web, and you can put in, um, you can add, you will find that the results you get here will give are different from the results if you are just searching Google Images. So one of the things you can do to help yourself, um, I'll type in empty shelf, and I'll write right in the, tr the search bar, transparent background. Because if you get one with a white background, it's not going to work, right? Um, and that typically work, works in there and weeds things out. And so, like, that's where I found um, some good shelves. The other thing you can do if you're not finding good results is just go to a... Um, I wanted a hanging plant. I couldn't find a good result that way. But if you go to Google Images and do a search, maybe you know this. Lots of you know this. If you click on tools and color, transparent is one of the options, which means most of the things that come back, not all, most of the things that come back will have a transparent background. Um, I liked this one. You'll know it's transparent if 
when you're looking at the result right here, it's a white background. But when you click on it, it turns to a checkerboard. If it's a checkerboard here, it's not transparent. Okay? You're going to think it is because the checkerboard usually means that, but it's not. If it is transparent or if it has that checkerboard here, it will not be transparent actually when you're using it. So if it pops up over here transparent, all you have to do is copy and paste. This yeah. Just real quick, the, um, the one without a transparent background is, would be a JPEG, and the one with is a PNG. So if you ever see that yes. file type, that's what it is, PNG. Yep. So typically over here, because you're not, it's not huge, you don't need a huge resolution, you can just copy and paste from here. Um, if you're right-clicking or on a Mac, two-finger clicking, what do you call that? Um, you want to click copy, make sure you click copy image, not copy link or any of the other stuff. You want to copy the image, um, and then you can just go back to your slide, and you can paste it in. So... I keep doing this and adding stuff um, until I have it looking like I want it to look, right? So here's a new one that I made. So once you've got your little room made, um, you could go about this two ways. You can identify the books you want to do and put your book covers in, or, and this is what I tend to do, you can go see what's available, like on YouTube or what PDFs you want to use first and then figure out how to do your books, okay? Whichever route you take to figure that out. What you'll start to want to do is find book covers. So I do the same thing. I go over here. Um, I know that I want to do um, High Fly Guy in this library. I find a decent image. Often the Amazon one is, is a good image. And I copy and paste it again. Copy the image. Bring it over here. And I'm going to put it on the shelf. Um, I will keep doing this until I have all the things that I want in my library, right? I'm up here. Um, and so I typically do that first. I'll get all my covers set in there. Once I have that, um, once they're all in there, now I start figuring out the, the video that it's linking to um, or the PDF that it's going to link to, okay? So I got all my stuff in there. You're going to just start adding blank slides now. On the blank slide, I knew I wanted High Fly Guy in there. So I'm going to find my High Fly Guy video. I love the Scholastic ones. Um, click on the video. If you would more click share, because we don't want all the ads for the kids, right? So you're just going to get that link from share. I usually get it there. Bryn, do you know if there's a like reason that you would want to get it there versus the bar? Well, I think like you could do either. Sometimes they're the same link. Sometimes the link on the bar is really long. I usually get it from sh the share mm -hmm. option. You um, also, right there where it says start at at the bottom, if you don't want it to do the introduction and stuff at the beginning. That won't stick it when you embed okay. it, but you can do it in the slide. I'll show okay. you how to do it in the slide. Okay. Yep. <laughs> so if you copy, you copy that link. Yes, so the video, because it's playing an ad right now, but this is actually our Fly Guy video. Um, down here, under the video, it says share. So you want to click on that, and you just click copy, and it copies it for you. So now you go back to your slide, your blank slide, which should be, when you're doing it, directly under your library, your little library room. Um, insert your video. Right here, because oh, I already tested it out, you just 
copy and paste that link in and press search and it's there. You can actually, you could just say insert video and type in Hi Fly Guy and stuff will pop up. But you're not going to be able to like watch it. So maybe if you know there's a video and you know what it looks like, that's a great way to do it. But if you're still looking for your stuff, that's not going to help you too much. So I usually go find it on the YouTube website and then put it in here. you got to click on it, click select, and it'll pop up um, for you. Now this is where if you do know if it's a read aloud and the person talks for five minutes before they read the book and you don't want that part, um, over here on the sidebar, you can tell it where to start and where to stop. I've done this before for um, <coughs> news things. If there's a great, like, real-life news clip that I want the kids to watch, but they don't need to hear all the beginning or ending of it, I pick just the part in the middle. Um, and that works great. That means that when the kids are watching it, they'll only see what you've chosen for them to see, which is great. So, um... Because this is not going to, they're not going to have a full screen option when they do this, I make these as big as possible, and I almost always just have a black background here because then it'll just look like a video. Um, but after you get the video in there, you need to have a way for them to get back to the library easily. So you're just going to insert a text box this time. Um, this is where you want to write back, whatever you want to say. I'm doing this one very Spanglish. Um, <laughs> the, because I did it on a black background, I need to make that a different color. Right? No, we don't like that. There we go. So you get your word in there. And to make a link to a different slide, it's the same as making a link regularly. Highlight the word, click on link, you don't usually have to click those three buttons, but because of the screen here, it's um, shortening it for me. So click on the link. And instead of putting a website in, if you just start to type in here, slide one, um, for me, that was my title slide. Okay? So I actually want just slide six, right? Um, so then I would type in slide six and apply that. Oh, you do have to click on it. <laughs> That trips me up all the time, okay? So now, you've got your button. They're going to get back to the library every time. You can make it prettier, make it a font, whatever you want. Um, what I typically do from this point is I duplicate this slide 15 times so that it's already got the back button in there for me, um, and I can just start adding the different videos. So basically now, you're just going to repeat that until you have hit everything in your library. Um, eventually... You've got all your links in here. I can click on my fly guy. And what you'll see in here to be able to check is that, yep, this one is connected to slide eight. I already put it down there. Um, and if I click over here, I like to leave little Easter eggs. So I put a little um, Mexican doll here, and that links to a fun song video for them. Um, it's ready to go in there. If you are interested in linking them to a PDF, um, there's a little bit of work that you have to do on the back end to make that work. So this is the one I wanted them to go read this magazine, okay? If you came in late, we ran out of handouts, but the step-by-step -step instructions, in case you're like 10 steps back, um, they're linked on the CEA handout page yep. 
Elizabeth did type out like step by step. So if you're frantically like trying to write things down, she yep. can type it out for you. Because I know her brain goes like a million miles an hour. So, um, yep. If you didn't get one, there is a handout with like step by step by step. So don't worry if you're missing some things. It's really yeah. typed out really well for you. Sorry, Jeff. Yeah, go ahead. It's really not be necessary anymore since I know that Google Slides like took out the like you have to click in the bottom left hand corner to go to the next slide. Oh right. But if students like click not the back button, but they click something, mm -hmm. it um, will take them to the next slide. It will take them. Oh, you could a step. I love tech too. So um, they um, if you just skip any slide that's not your library one then if they click, it won't ever go to a different slide because all the rest of them are skipped. So if you like hide them, oh. but they still will go if you click on your... Right, oh, click back. Yeah. That makes sense. Yes. Okay, so you hide how do you, this slide. When you, when you do the presentation, you can hide. You can hide slides, yeah. I don't know if that works. The last step I'm going to do is publish it to the web. Not sure. Oh, maybe it's because I don't want them in my presentation when they're doing it, and I'm not sure that would work. That, that would work carry over to the to the published site. Yep. Um. So if you've done that a million times and you have all your videos and you're good to go, a lot of my libraries are just that the videos, and it's all contained in the slide, and that's awesome. If you want to have them reading something on their own, you're going to have to do a little bit of work on, on your end. What I typically do, somewhere in Google Docs, this is my Rainforest folder, and here are all the PDFs of um, magazines that I like for them to read. I've just saved them there. The difference is, you can see that these ones have people, I have set the sharing settings to anyone with the link. Otherwise, like by default for me, they would have to be signing in with a school like account, and I, I don't want any of that to happen. I want them to be able to just click on it. So once I have a PDF that I want them to use, when you click on share, this is where you're changing the access, right? Typically this might say anyone in my organization, but I want it to be anyone with the link, is a viewer, right? Um, you're going to have to set any file that you want them to use to be like that, okay? Once you've done that, you copy the link, and now we're just doing the same thing as before. You go back, we'll pretend it's this one. Um, you want to add a link to it. Uh oh, up here. It keeps moving around on me. You want to add a link to it, and this time you're just going to copy and paste. So that link is going to take them directly to the PDF, right? You'll know that here because when you hover over it, you should see a little preview. Of whatever you're linking them to. Yeah. Yep, there's no slide attached to this book. Yep, it's just going to take them to that outside PDF. Yeah. So if you want to go that route, now you click on things and you link them to whatever you're linking them to. I have purposely created, you will find virtual libraries online often. They often link you to a book to read, say, on Epic. Well, that means the kid has to log into Epic or Vooks, and they have to log into Vooks, right? And I really want something that my kids can do on their own, and they're not coming up to me to be asked what their password is and how they sign into these different things. You might use, I use Epic with my class. I use those things with my class, but to go from app to app for a first grader is not going to happen. So I want them to be all in my, my plan, right? Um, 
Once you have your library all linked together, you've got all your slides with the videos linked and you're ready to go, you want to make it shareable to the kids, right? You don't want to share your Google Slides with them, okay? <laughs> you want to share a website. So to make that happen, once you're done, you go over here to File and down to Publish to the Web, okay? In here, there are some, none of these are going to matter in the kind of um, presentation that you've just made. I have clicked, checked the check boxes and unchecked the check, but it doesn't matter. Um, so I just go to publish. Um, it's going to ask you if you really want to do that. Say okay. And then you've got a nice long link. Okay. So if you're, once you copy this link, um, and paste it, what you will get, and I'm going to a different one because the one that I've been doing with you has all kinds of crazy stuff in it, they're just seeing this, right? They're not seeing your slides anymore. They can't move things around or do anything. They're just going to see that library, okay? Um, in order to make that easy for kids to get, I like to make QR codes. Uh, if you're using, um, what am I using? Chrome. You can do that pretty easily. Um, oh, I'm going to forget how to do it now. Right here in the URL at the top that you just pasted in there, there's a share button. Okay. If you click on that share button, one of the options is create QR code. Okay. So if you do that, it's going to give you the cute little dinosaur QR code. Okay. Um, and that's all you need. You can download that QR code. Um, Yes, you do have to download the QR code. You can't right-click and copy that one. Um, and that QR code is now all you need for kids to scan with their camera app, and it'll pop up with your library. So that's kind of the last step. Yeah? Does it also give you an option to airdrop it? Let's see. Not right in here. Send to your devices? Yeah. So if you, you would have to be doing that, right, for them, like right then, yeah. They, if theirs were connected and popped up and had the right settings, then that might work, yeah. <coughs> if you don't, if you're not in, this is a um, Chrome. I'm in Chrome, right? This is a Chrome feature, yeah. This is a Chrome feature. If you don't use Chrome, okay, then you would just Google QR code generators. There are lots of them out there. Um, and you would use one of those, you would have to copy and paste the code, and it would create a code for you. If you're in Chrome, it just is a little bit easier, and it's only a couple clicks. Yeah. So there's different ways to do that. So once you have that, you print it up, you hang it in your room, and there you go. It's that easy, right? <laughs> um, so if you have, if you did not get a handout, you can go to the CEA website. The CEA website has all the sessions that had handouts, and... We're number 79, um, and you can see that right there. Yeah. What do you have kids, or what method do you use to have them scan QR codes? We use the camera app. Okay. Just open up the camera app. You will inevitably end up with 500 pictures of your QR code in your camera roll. <laughs> because they click, right? It's fine. Yeah. 
So I don't because then, so you could, but you'd then have to like assign an activity and you could put the link in Seesaw. If you were going to have maybe a follow-up like activity that you wanted them to do, I could see where that would make a lot of sense. Typically, I just want kids to read and listen to reading. Yeah. Um, again, then once you're in Seesaw and they click that, it would take them out of Seesaw to a browser to, to be looking at it. Yeah. a video in Google Slides like we were doing, it should not show the beginning like ad. Um, the only problem that I have run into, so let's click on one, it just start, it should just start the video. If I were to watch that on YouTube, it would have given me a commercial first, right? In Google Slides, it won't do that. The only problem that we have run into, and it's not even all the time, I'm not entirely sure what determines it or not, at the end of the video, you may have suggested videos pop up. It's not doing it for me today. I Just this week, I've had it happen in my classroom, and it puts about three videos on the bottom, suggested videos. Um, I had just had a conversation with the kids about it, right? If you're clicking, um, when you're done with a video, to get more books, you have to go back, right? We talked about it. We also talked about how if you click on that, it's going to open a new app, and Snorl Wolf can see all the apps that you've used when I look at your iPad. Um, so we did have to have a conversation about that, but it will not stop the video in the middle for an ad or start with an ad. Do you find that if you have them, like you, you could say when the video starts and stops, do you find that maybe stopping the video early at the end would prevent that? Oh, if you, no, I just no. tried that for Hispanic Heritage Month with some of the ones I had in the hallway, and I also had um, suggested videos. Yep, yep. Okay. yep, I have tried that. Yeah, no, that would have been nice. Yeah. Yeah. So then you would want to share the link with them in a different way, right? So however, um, if you can airdrop it to them, if you can use the send to my device, um, or you could create a, a bit.ly, or a, use a URL shortener, I've used those before. So there are um, websites that you can use to um, shorten an URL to something that's easier to type in. So then the URL, if you type in URL shortener, you will find that. Then the address of your website that you've created can be made short enough that it's more manageable for them to type in. Then you could just, you know. Yeah. Yeah, the shorter your URL, the simpler your QR code is. So if you have a really long URL, right. little teeny tiny squares, whereas if you have a shorter one, it ends up being a little easier to scan. Yes, it is. So... You will see that when you create it from here, this QR code is quite full. I print these out on eight and a half by 11 pages, right? And, the UR, uh, and so the QR code is quite big, which with that many dots, 
you need. It's also helpful, so another thing you can do is project your QR code on your screen, and then kids can typically get it from anywhere in the classroom if you have it full size on your screen. It's another easy way to do it. Maybe even with a Chromebook, if they were turning it around to look, it would work easier. Hey, while we're talking YouTube, do you want to show them that Twitter trick that whoever just taught us? <laughs> yeah. So this, we discovered, maybe doesn't help you with your um, uh, virtual library, but if you're sick of, video, of, of commercials just watching videos, any video here that you're watching, um, I'll go. Uh, you can go up here, the address. If you just insert a dash after the letter T in YouTube, like that, okay, and then press enter, you get no commercials and like full screen. So if you're showing a video for any other reason in your classroom and you don't want videos, all you need to do is insert a dash after the T. Yeah. 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 We discovered it did not make it. It doesn't make a difference. It wouldn't help to do this before you embed it because that's not going to make a difference. But if you're just showing videos in the classroom, this is a great little tip. Yeah. Yep. <coughs> Any other questions? My hope would be that um, you have a half an hour to chat with your colleagues or to try it out and ask me a question when something's not working um, and come up with some different ideas of how you could use virtual libraries. So I'm happy to answer questions, but yeah, love um, your trade-off. You said that there were a lot online. Where have you found, you know, for many of us, it's great to create our own. But it's also great when somebody else has created one already. Right. Uh, so where have you found that you um, find yeah. those libraries that are available? And where are you sharing your, your libraries? <laughs> <laughs> I've been considering putting them on Teachers Pay Teachers. Yeah, no doubt. No, um, no doubt. I, uh, actually, one of the greatest ways that I've found them in Seesaw, if you use Seesaw, um, if you go to the community library in Seesaw where you can search for things, I will search virtual bookshelf. They're often called virtual bookshelves or virtual libraries. And lots of teachers have made that, have um, put a virtual bookshelf in Seesaw because they want their kids to go watch something and then come back and answer an activity. And so then I just pull them from those activities. That's a great way to find them. Other than that, a lot of public libraries, especially during COVID, started to share virtual bookshelves. Um, and so uh, if you do a search, just a Google search for vir virtual bookshelves, you'll find a lot of public libraries have those. How they linked their books, I have never found another person who has put their videos in this way. Um, it's usually a link directly to YouTube, which means yeah. that your kids yeah. are going to be in the YouTube app with all the sidebars and everything else, or it's linking them occasionally, if it's a library system, to their proprietary library system that you have to log into or to Epic. So you would want to check all the links for sure um, and see how or that would play out. Videos. Or expired videos, that sort of thing. Yeah. So once you make one of these, I've been using them for a couple years in my room. Every year that I pull out a QR code, I do open it up and click every single link and check to make sure that every single book that I've linked still has a video, right? You're using, if you are using YouTube videos that are not yours, they can disappear. So you will have to make sure you, like I usually make my, my oldest daughter do it for me. <laughs> yeah. Tell us about your Easter eggs. 
Um, I like to have little Easter eggs in my um, libraries. This one, I told you the, um, the little doll goes to a song that I teach my kids in Spanish every year, and they love it because typically they don't think they can click on anything, and all of a sudden one kid does, and we're all excited. My favorite library... Oh, that I probably should have opened up for you guys, is a um, Christmas library that I've made. It's hard to find a lot of Christmas books in Spanish, so almost the entire thing, there's a nativity set on the um, shelf. And if you click on the nativity set, there is a um, stop-motion Duplo um, retelling of the nativity. Um, there's a dog laying on the ground under the Christmas tree, and if you click on him, it, there's a cute little dog song in Spanish. So for me in immersion, it makes a lot of sense to get kids more fluency in all sorts of different ways. Um, and doing those little Easter eggs just like they're so excited by the time they've done our second like library they know that Snow Wolf leaves surprises and so they start looking for them it's really fun yeah um there's a list on the back I'll show you for those of you who didn't get the handout um it's just a front and back the front side tells you how to make one there's a little view of my Christmas library um there's so many fun different ways. Uh, occasionally, I put my own Bitmoji in there. The kids love that. That makes them excited to use it. Um, I will often use pictures. That wolf like poster in one of them is um, like the same as a poster I have in my classroom. So then they're like, oh, it's like we're in our classroom. Um, I send these home sometimes for kids who are sick or like out for two weeks quarantining so that they have something fun to do at home. Um, towards the maybe middle to end of the year, I... Um, put the QR codes like on a binder ring and they can go pick their favorite one. They know because I put pictures with my QR codes, they know which is which. And so they'll cycle through and find their favorite library to use. Um, there's lots of different things you can do to make it fun. Yeah. So that's it. I would love for you to take time to just talk through it and maybe even start one and work on one and share them with your colleagues. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you.